Hi, I'm Willow Belden, and you're listening to Out There, the podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. As you may know, we hosted a live storytelling night earlier this month, and it was a blast. Since not all of you were able to make it, we wanted to share some of the stories from the event here on the podcast. The theme for the live show was Beginners. And on this bonus episode, you're going to hear three of the five stories from the event. The reason we're not sharing all of the stories is that a couple of our storytellers felt their pieces were a little too personal to air on the podcast. But I can assure you they were truly beautiful stories and we hope to have more like them at future live events. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to our first storyteller. Natasha Buffo is a former Silicon Valley business analyst who is now a solo world traveler, snowboarder, and backpacker. She lives in the Sierra Nevada mountain range in California, and she runs the website dirtandtears.com, which uses stories of adventure to help readers navigate caregiving, grief, anxiety, and depression. Have you guys ever thought to yourself, these are my people? Not because they're related by blood or you grew grew up with them, but because there was something in your soul that resonated with their soul. I first thought that when I was barefoot under the redwoods of Big Sur, listening to bluegrass, and I looked around and I didn't realize these people existed. And I didn't realize this life existed. The life I knew was working in Silicon Valley for one of the biggest tech companies. But being a first-generation college graduate coming from a low-income family, I thought I had found success. Yet the morning I returned from that music festival and was walking towards the building of Google, I was looking at the bushes. (laughs) Probably not what you think. I thought I was going to throw up, totally honest. Basically, it was this physical representation of months of depression. I'd cry at work in bathroom stalls. I'd call them sick to work so I didn't have to cry at work. And I'd turn down invitations from friends. So I decided it was time to take a month off and explore these magical options I had discovered. My friend Katie invited me on my first backpacking trip. I'd gone as a high schooler, but it had been 10 years. It was totally new to me. I brought a backpack and a base layer, and we shared a tent and our camping stove, and I pulled whatever I could find out of my suitcase that resembled hiking gear. And we went outside of Yosemite National Park in the Tuolumne Meadows area. And let me tell you, when I saw those granite peaks towering majestically over the clear, sparkling alpine lakes of the Sierra Nevada mountains, man, That's unforgettable. And when I returned from the trip, I realized I was hooked. That's all I could think about, backpacking, camping, hiking. That's all I wanted to do. So I took a leap and I quit. Two months later, I had a one-way ticket to New Zealand in my hands. And my mom took me to the airport and was bawling her eyes out. Now, don't get me wrong. Yeah, she's a worrier and we had a great relationship, but... She supported my adventures. 
from this indefinite trip to when I ran into the river when I was two years old and didn't know how to swim to when I was 18 and wanted to skydive. She still stood by my wild ideas. Katie was with me for about six weeks and then I was off to go on solo adventures. We'd hiked basically every corner of the South Island, so I felt ready. I was backpacker now. It had been about two months since I'd seen my mom and my brother, so I hopped on a video call with them to catch up. Plus, my mom had had this strange broken arm that had popped up, and I was really eager to hear what the doctor had to say. Now, to give you a picture of my mom, she has the timeless beauty of Meryl Streep, plus the personality of Olaf the Snowman from Frozen. <laughs> So we get on the call and I'm ask her, all right, break it down for me. What did the doctor say? She says, they found cancer. My mom had cancer in her lungs. She smoked cigarettes her whole life. And like a backpacker with a non-urgent injury, I stifled my tears and I said, I'm going to be okay. And she did the same. She said they caught it early. So what did I do? I hiked. <laughs> it was my default state at that point. It was really all I knew what to do. And well, I had a boat booked to the trailhead. My bag was packed. I had all my food and well, the hostel didn't have any room anyway. So I hit the trail. Plus, I mean, backpacking cleared my head last time. Maybe this is just what I need after hearing this mind blowing news. The moment my boots hit the trail, I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. They felt heavy, like they were caked in mud, but it was sunny and hot out. I tried to snap pictures of the beauty around me so I could share them with my mom and, and bring a smile, but my smiles were clearly forced. It was clear. I couldn't enjoy this life I had fallen in love with while my mom was at home suffering. And so I went home, but I didn't tell her. Because the thing is, she didn't want it to be her fault that my epic adventure was over. So I showed up at her doorstep just a couple of days before Christmas. And when she opened that door, I saw one clear emotion. Relief. She was relieved that her little girl was home to walk alongside her on this, the hardest trail of her life. All of a sudden, I was a caregiver? I honestly didn't even know what the heck this word meant when it was first said to me. I was bushwhacking without a trail guide or a map, completely lost and confused. But I started to realize, well, I had long, exhausting days. I had to be really patient with my mom and other people. I had to kind of be ready for a medical emergency at any moment and respond with calm. Yeah, I was kind of prepared for this. A couple months later, in March, Katie, who took me on that original trip, she told me that her and her brothers got a permit to hike the John Muir Trail. Oh man, the idea, it gave me hope. But if mom was doing the same, I was committed to staying with her. And I told her if she was doing better, I might not know until a week before, so it wasn't something I could commit to. But on the morning of April 2nd, I realized there was actually an option C. I held my mom's hand while she took her last breaths. Suddenly, I wasn't a caregiver anymore. 
I needed to be taken care of. And when I called Katie to tell her the news, she responded, well, I already put your name on the permit for the John Muir Trail. Now that is what a good friend does. She doesn't wait for you to tell her what you need. She just knows and she takes care of it. Now on the first day of the John Muir Trail, I thought I was gonna die. I had a healthy caregiver diet of buttery grilled cheese, vanilla ice cream and Nutella, <laughs> giving me an extra 15 pounds of weight. And I found myself at the top of a slippery pass covered in talus rock that liked to shift under your feet. Plus bonus, the trail was covered in snow. And as my chubby calves got stuck in the snow, like I was in this giant Chinese finger trap and my bag was pulling me down, like it wanted to take me down this giant slip and slide. I thought through blurry vision, cause I was crying. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. No, it's not. What was I thinking? Caring for my mom while she was going through stage four cancer and watching her pass away that is the hardest thing I've ever done. Nothing will ever compare and everything is easy in comparison. And that got me through the next 18 days. Sure, I was always at the back of my group trying to keep up. I cried so hard I caused bloody noses. I even face planted twice within 20 minutes one day because I was distracted by the beauty. And I thought that trip brought me back to a piece of my identity to be a backpacker. But in reality, I'd never stopped. It's just the trail looked a little different before. Over the next six months, I returned back to New Zealand to continue my adventures. Then I moved to Lake Tahoe, California to embed myself within those granite mountains of the Sierra Nevadas. And then I met a man who had plans to hike the John Muir Trail. And four years later, I still woke up next to that man. And one morning this past summer, I woke up to a text from Katie and it said, Tom is going to watch Billy all night tonight so we can go backpacking. I shot up in bed. My eyes were bulging out of their shock sockets. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's finally happening. I woke my partner up from his sleep. I was ready within two hours. I had my bag packed. I had my go-to hiking clothes on and I hopped in my four-wheel drive Toyota Tacoma, headed down the 395 on the east side of the Sierras to Yosemite National Park. As I passed the mobile station, I remembered that first gourmet meal I had right after that first backpacking trip. And then I whizzed by the trailhead where we started the John Muir Trail before getting to the Tuolumne Minnows Backcountry back Permit Office. I asked the ranger what our options were because, well, it was 3 p.m. and we had just one night and no plans. He gave me some ideas and I said, all right, I'm just gonna wait for my friend and see what she thinks. I was walking out of the office. I looked at the map again and I realized I knew what hike I wanna do, but had Katie done it before? Would she like it? Is there a better option? Wait a second. I've been to New Zealand twice since we've gone. I've trekked through Peru and Chile. I freaking live in the Sierra Nevada mountain range right now. So I marched back into that office and I said, I'm making an executive decision. We will take the permit to Sunrise Lakes. We may do a day trip to Clouds Rest and drop our packs at the intersection. I was so proud and so excited. I was literally skipping to the tailgate of my truck 
my two braids swinging back and forth as Katie rolled into the parking lot to start her first backpacking trip as a mother. Speaking of parenthood, our next story comes to us from a father of four. Ashley White is one of Out There's ambassadors. He lives in Minnesota, and as a kid, he always knew he wanted to explore remote places, but he didn't have the resources to actually start until college. So he spent a ton of time reading National Geographic. In college, Ashley was introduced to kayaking and backpacking, and he knew he had found his community. He's now married, and as I mentioned, he has four kids, so his outdoor experiences these days often need to be family-friendly, but he is committed to instilling a love of nature in his children. Thank you, Willow. Well, hello, all. I am going to tell you a story. This story is about a very awkward family, a story about a boy and his first backpacking trip and a father who has his first family injury. And so this story starts out the same way as many stories in this family start, with very angry teenagers who don't have <laughs> access to cell phone service. <laughs> it happens every time, every outdoor adventure once they lose those bars, there's a meltdown. <laughs> and our drive into Wisconsin, as we head to a few waterfalls uh, that we really love to visit, it happens. Cell phones, off. Repellent, left at home. Dad, stop at the gas station, refuel, pick up some more repellent, make sure everyone's happy. We tend to love trail mix, and so extra pockets full there. We get to the park. My son is ecstatic. Today is his day to become a man. It will be <laughs> his first backpacking trip with our family. My son is also aut autistic. And so he really loves to be outdoors and is really process driven. So every moment we've already planned a task for him to have something to do. And in this particular trip, he was responsible for the map. He was our navigator. In fact, his name is Minimap, is his trail name. <laughs> <laughs> so the hike is very short. We allow him to get in sort of a child carrier on my back. Our teenagers aren't necessarily into the hike and refuse to have any responsibilities. And so there is the drum of their agony of every step. <laughs> However, our littles are so excited and have a venture at every corner. So our camp is probably about a mile from the parking lot and we make it there in very quick time. It is a very, very short backpacking trip because we want to keep the car safe, uh, close to us just in case there's a meltdown and we can just completely um, pack up very quickly and make our way to the car and head back home. So we get to camp, we set it up, life is good, the teenagers are relaxing, the bugs aren't too bad 
and we decide to take a hike to the waterfall. Beautiful trail, beautiful waterfalls. Imagine a three-tier waterfall that goes into a pool and you can slide down it or cannonball into the pool. Of course, the teenagers wow. are finally having fun. Of course, life is good at this point. Not to mention that there are some pretty cute young men there that my teenage <laughs> daughters are trying to impress. That's a story for another time. However, this is where the part where I get the most excited. My son, he leans over to me, says, Daddy, I am ready to be a camp superhero. Of course you are, son. Let's go back awesome. to camp and make dinner and you'll have responsibilities there. So the mood is really lightened for our teenagers and my oldest daughter decides she'd like to have a little more responsibility and carry my son on her back. At this point, my son is probably about 30 pounds and there's probably a mile back to our, our backpacking site. She gets there, flying colors, strong back, life is good, wife's happy, I'm happy, kids happy, awkward family, happy. <laughs> so I begin to make dinner. Of course, I consider myself an excellent camp chef. If you all ever have the opportunity to come out with me, please let me know. I'll, I'll make a little extra for you. Uh, my daughter refused to put my son down as she thought it was a lot of fun to carry her little brother. And so they were jumping on rocks. They were exploring. They would go away from camp and come back very quickly while dinner was being, while dinner was being prepared. And so we use a jet boil uh, occasionally when we do our camping. And so we prepare some wonderful things. And when she comes back, um, as I'm turning off the fuel canister and removing the pot, she sets him down on the picnic table that's on the site. Now, my son, he still wasn't very good at walking at this moment, but he could lean forward. And so the, <laughs> the backpack only has a kickstand that makes him, saves him from falling backwards. And so he reaches forward. And it was slow motion to watch him fall slowly, ever so slowly onto the, the jet boil stove, right against his face, against the burner pan. And it slices right under his eye, probably about an inch and a half. And it was still hot. It was a very clean cut. And all you heard was a complete shrill of terror <laughs> not from him from my wife he actually took it very well <laughs> but my wife immediately panicked and couldn't think of anything to do other than scream at me my teenage daughter screaming at me my <laughs> tween daughter screaming at me my toddler daughter screaming at me Fortunately, we were able to get it really quick and treat the burn and the cut really rapidly. And he never shed a tear. Only a, only, only maybe a couple owie daddies. <laughs> we thought very hard about leaving, um, not because of him, but because my, my teenager was torn, completely mm -hmm. torn up as she thought it was her fault that her brother was injured. And all he wanted to do was play with her for the entire day. And so she was completely melted down. And so she went with my wife for a walk and they had a conversation and I kept him to make sure that he was quiet. We prepared dinner. He ate more than anyone in the family and told me he was ready for bed. 
uh, some of his sister, sensory uh, sensitivities are things that we had to think about. And so as the nights were, I mean, the days are still very long at this point in time. And so we were able to wrap a blanket over his tent and help him go to sleep uh, really quickly and provide headphones for him. He never complained a single time. And this was my first time leveraging my certification in uh, backpack and wilderness uh, um medicine. And so I think I did pretty well. And my family finally calmed down once he went to bed. And we sat around the campfire and everyone cried as a release of our emotions. And so mm -hmm. our first time taking out our little superhero, our backpacking oh. champion, he got seriously injured. And we had a serious test as a family of whether or not we wanted to stay or wanted to go. And I think that we handled it well. That morning, I made my lovely uh, Southwestern burritos, and we ate full, went back to the waterfall, and then packed up our camp and left. And with that, all of our spirits were wonderful. I experienced a parenting unfiltered dad fail with the injury <laughs> with my child, and we all survived, which is really the point of this story. And at that, we are he is now a champion and one of the best campers in my family. Our final storyteller for this episode is Jessica Taylor. Jessica is out there's advertising manager, which means she's the one who lines up all the sponsors that you hear on the show. Jessica has always been an adventurer and lover of nature. And last year, she left her nine to five job to run her own digital marketing business full time. She loves backpacking, snowboarding, skydiving, off-roading, you name it, she is up for the adventure. And her chihuahua, Foxy, joins her on many of those adventures. All right, so sitting in my living room, staring into the forest, I heard on the other end of the phone, why don't you just get a trailer and pull it behind your forerunner? Then you could go and live wherever you want and not feel the overwhelming pressure you're under right now. Honestly, I'm surprised you haven't yet. I was shocked that no immediate excuse came to mind. I had the money, job security, no more romantic relationship to keep me in one place. Could I simplify, leave it all, and go have my next chapter of adventure on the open road? It had been two and a half years since I left Colorado and moved back to California. Not one week went by where I didn't miss the fresh air, the mountains, the seasons, and my friends. I felt more normal in the three and a half years I lived in Colorado than I did in my entire childhood in California. I haven't felt like I belonged or at home since returning. I had hoped that the most recent move to a cabin in the middle of a national forest would help, and it did for about six months, but then anxiety and tension kicked in. The cabin I was renting was on five acres of land owned by my parents. This was their vacation home, and I was excited to enjoy the open space away from the city. The problem was my parents wouldn't leave me alone. They would frequently interrupt my regular work. The last straw came when they shared concern and possible eviction if I were to have a male friend come up to stay the night in my guest room. I'm 31, so you can imagine how claustrophobic I was starting to feel. 
That's when I had this phone call with my friend Nicole when she suggested the trailer idea. After I hung up the phone, I sat there, still looking out into the forest. Get a trailer? It had never even crossed my mind. It always felt like a pretend faraway subconscious dream that would never be reachable. So why even entertain it? But instead of doubts rushing through my head, I heard, I do love camping. I do my best work and get my creative energy out in nature. I do have a cap capable vehicle and my current life situation permits it. And Foxy, my 11 year old Chihuahua would absolutely love it. I didn't share this new idea with anyone. I knew that deep down, if I was gonna do this, I had to fully do it by myself. I didn't want anyone else's opinion to have an effect on my decision. And I was afraid hearing the warnings or excitement from anyone else at all would swing, would swing the pendulum. I wanted to work through the risks and opportunities alone. If I was gonna make this big change, I wanted to have full confidence in my, in my decision. So the next morning, Wednesday, January 29th, I Googled the nearest RV shop and headed into town. I walked into the shop and a friendly, reassuring lady named Tammy greeted me and toured me around looking inside a handful of different travel trailers. One trailer in particular really stood out to me with its extra Murphy bed, which doubled as a couch and a bed, storage space and the solar panels. In fact, I liked it so much, I put a refundable $500 down to give me a few days to think about it. Exactly a week later, after much research and preparation, I walked back into the office with an approved loan, large down payment, and RV insurance. And in return, I got the keys to my first ever 22-foot travel trailer. Over the next three days, I downsized three quarters of my belongings, put the few larger items into storage, and what was left came into the trailer. From the day I sat there, staring out into the forest, to the day I closed the cabin door behind me, both literally and figuratively, and became a full-time on-the-road traveler, was a total of 11 days. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I moved pretty fast, don't you think? Part of me rushed it because I needed the next chapter to begin before things became toxic, and honestly, to prevent any fear and uncertainty to talk myself out of it. I had to trust my capabilities and take the first step and try. And so began my journey on February 9th, 2020, Hope, my 2013 Forerunner, and Silver Bullet, my 2020 RPOD 192, headed east. I want to leave you with the three biggest fears and lessons I've learned so far with Hope and Silver. Not even two hours out from leaving town and heading east, I faced my first fear. Simply accelerating and braking smoothly and keeping 4,000 pounds, extra pounds of weight between the lines behind me. I didn't want to get into anyone's way, so I found a semi that I felt was going at a good speed and followed him for a while. I thought everything was going fine until the semi started braking here and there, almost like brake checking me. I thought, maybe I'm too close. So I backed up some. Then the semi slams on his brakes and I also slam on mine and my tire started to skid straight toward the back of this rig. Um, thankfully, I had enough space to break in time and make my way around him. I took a deep breath and tried to calm my heart down. Oh my word, that was terrifying. <laughs> thankfully, I had a friend following me to make sure that my first drive looked good. We talked on the phone and I asked them to pull up in front of me. And then we figured out what the semi was so upset about. 
Holy crap, Jessica, do you have your brights on? <laughs> the extra weight on the back of my forerunner was shining my low beams up to the top of semi trucks. So I was blinding everyone. Lesson learned until I can get the lights adjusted, don't drive at night. <laughs> Next lesson. Next lesson emptying the gray and black tanks. Please excuse this somewhat graphic portion, but this is a very real part. <laughs> of living on the road in a travel trailer. If you don't know, the gray tank carries the sink and shower water and the black tank carries everything that goes down the toilet. I have a 30 gallon black tank. 30 gallons is a lot of crap. I had never emptied <laughs> tanks like this before, so I was very uncomfortable and to be honest, grossed out of the process. It didn't help that the RPOD Facebook group warned me of all the diseases I could catch and practically told me to wear a hazmat suit every time I emptied it. I had visions of the hose detaching and spraying on my legs and feet. I was embarrassed someone would come by and literally see my pee and poop draining out. But thankfully, with caution and preparing a plan of action beforehand, everything went so smoothly. No leaks, no accidents, black tank first, gray tank second. Now I've got it down to a T and feel confident enough that I can instruct someone else how to do it. If I didn't try, I'd never learn. Last lesson that's technically still in progress and is still a little over my head. Since day one, after leaving the RV lot, my electrical outlets have been giving me issues. At first, I was very careful to not take anything apart that can't be put back together in my trailer since I have a one-year factory warranty that only applies if I don't touch anything. But I've found that, uh, that there are very few places for me to get my trailer in to get fixed, and that leaves me with a lot of unfixed issues. I was tired of waiting and wanted to see if there was something I could do myself, so I pulled apart my seat and took a look at the wiring. With the help of a campground resident electrician, he helped give me a better understanding of AC-DC currents, how the breaker switches and fuses can be helpful clues, how the converter and inverter all work together, and how to troubleshoot to make sure the power is flowing through all touch points correctly. Although the issue isn't fully fixed, I'm glad we tried. My fear of touching or messing anything up doesn't help me get anywhere or gain knowledge of how it should work in the first place. Um, taking the chance to look at the wires and ask for help really taught me the importance of community and believing in myself enough to say I can do. I can do this, I can try. Although not everyone can re directly relate to this lifestyle of living in a trailer full time, I do think that there is an insightful lesson to be learned that can apply in any lifestyle. One of the reasons I loved living in Colorado was for the seasons. Summer would be warm and beautiful, and then the temperatures would start to cool off. The leaves show their last burst of energy with vibrant color, and then they die and fall to the ground, leaving the, tree, the trees barren. Then winter would hit, cold, dark, colorless. I found life to be a lot like this. Each chapter of life, no matter our age, no matter our gender or relationship status, we all face different lessons of life. We all have those beautiful, warm, long summer days. We all have chapters that come to a close and give their last breath, then fall, leaving us barren. I'm still figuring out this whole living in a trailer thing. I still have hard days when it's over 100, 100 degrees and I don't have air conditioning and figuring out where I fit in my community and figuring out where I belong. But what I want to encourage you and myself to do is to continue to believe in yourself, believe in your dreams, hold on to hope and keep taking a step forward. 
I ask you to try, even when it's scary and intimidating, because I believe that our lives are a lot like the seasons. And you know what happens after some time goes by in the winter, when the tiniest bit of sun begins to warm up the ground? The eager plants and trees begin to bloom, and the most beautiful, fresh, new green begins to grow. It's a new season. It's a new time. It's a new celebration for something else good that's coming for you. But to get there, you must believe in yourself and keep taking that step forward. Keep your hope. A huge thank you to all of our storytellers. It's a lot of work putting together stories like this, and it takes guts to share vulnerable personal experiences in front of a live audience. So kudos to everyone who took the stage. I also wanted to thank all of our listeners who have made or are making financial contributions to Out There. You all make it possible for us to produce this podcast on a regular basis. If you'd like to get in on the fun, you can support the show on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash outtherepodcast. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform that lets you make monthly contributions to creative endeavors like Out There. Again, the link for that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash outtherepodcast. Or you can send us a contribution on Venmo. Just search for Out There hyphen podcast. That's it for this episode. Our strategic advisor is Alex Eggerking. Our advertising manager is Jessica Taylor. Sheba Joseph is our audience growth director. Our production intern is Ben Montoya. And our theme music was written by Jared Arnold. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, I hope you're managing to stay safe and healthy.